contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. And welcome to the Hammer and Grind podcast, the podcast built for contractors to help maximize profits and get you off the tools before burnout or bankruptcy happens. I'm your host, Brad Hebner, and I'm here to help you on your journey to self-mastery. Make sure you check us out on our social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Just search for Hammer and Grind Podcast, and you'll be able to find me there. Consider joining my free Facebook group called the Contractor Profit Blueprint. I created this free group to give you as much information as possible to help you in your business. I go live in there once a week, tons of content to help you in your business. Now, if you want to accelerate the success, consider joining my paid coaching group called The Profit Club. In there is a great community of contractors all willing to share information and help each other succeed, as well as hundreds of hours of training, coaching calls, everything you need to accelerate your business. If you want to learn more about that, you can find out more information on hammerandgrind.com forward slash the profit club, or just send me a message and I'll be happy to share that with you. Now, let's get on to the show. All right, welcome back to the Hammer Grind podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. I'm excited to talk to uh, Isaac Barlow. Isaac is the founder and CEO of Busy Busy. It's a technology innovator in the construction industry. He grew up as a contractor, working every position from direct labor to general manager and eventually owning his own construction company. Isaac's knowledge of the industry combined with his drive to find better systems of construction management led to the development of Busy Busy Inc. In addition to Busy Busy, Isaac has ownership in multiple construction companies. Isaac, thanks for being on the show. Welcome. Uh, Thank you, Brad. It's my pleasure to be here. Awesome. Now, I have to ask right off the bat, I see the the flag in the background, obviously a patriot. You got the haircut. Are you are you prior military? I, I'm not prior military. Okay. Well, you got the look. I'll just tell you right now, you got the look down. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> no, but but the greatest respect for our military, you know, part of, I, so number one, I just love, I just love this, right? It's just awesome. I bought it from a, I'll give them a plug. I bought it from a company called uh, Nashville Metal Art. So out of Tennessee. Okay, yeah. And it's just awesome. I just, I wanted a flag, but I didn't want it to look like a city office building. And so I got this because it's just like metal art and then it has the Pledge of Allegiance in it. So I, I just like it. No, I think it's important. Um, a lot of a lot of that is not as prevalent as it used to be. I mean, I remember saying the Pledge of Allegiance every day at school. So yeah, uh, glad to see that in the background. Are you are you located in Nashville? No, I'm in Utah. Utah, so okay. St. George, Utah, which is actually closer to Las Vegas than it is Salt Lake City. So um, you might have heard Zion's National Park. We're we're right near there. Where, where are you located? We're actually uh, I'm in Southern Indiana, right on the right on the border of uh, Kentucky and um, uh, Illinois. We're like right at the toe. We're the toe, the uh, the the fungus toenail of Indiana. <laughs> right. <at the> toe. <laughs> That's awesome. We kind of get forgot about a lot of times in Indiana uh, when it comes to legislation. Everything's around Indianapolis. But uh, but no, I appreciate you being on the show. I want to talk about a lot of important things today. Talk about tracking time. Might get into a little bit of job costing and some equipment tracking. Lots of different things. 
that your company helps contractors with, uh, Busy Busy, what is that? What, tell us a little bit about Busy Busy. Yeah, absolutely. So Busy Busy, it, it's basically, it's it's time tracking, yes. You know, so you're recording people's hours that they work. and But the more important thing is you're recording what they worked on and how much they accomplished and stuff like that. So you think of it like on, on the least level of Busy Busy, it's a, it's a time card. So it's real easy digital way to process your, your time and hours and get your employees paid. On the highest level of it, it's job site intelligence. So you can get all the data from the job site you need to make better decisions on how you're estimating or running your project or managing your resources, scheduling, you know, all those things. So it, it, you know, it can start out pretty simple and then it can get into almost, you know, project management tool. Awesome. And we'll get a little more into the, into kind of what you guys do later on in the show, but I just wanted to ask you about that because, you know, with uh, your background, obviously being in construction and then, you know, you talked about um, development of busy, busy and, using technology and finding better systems for construction. Give us yeah. a little bit, like, how did, you, how did you come up with the idea of creating Busy Busy? What was the frustration or the problem you were trying to solve based on your own experience with your construction companies that you had? Yeah, thanks for the question. Um, so, yeah, the, the, um, the problem I had really was getting information from the field to the office. And Every contractor, there, there's a lot of contractors that still do it the way I used to do it, which is basically just paper, you know, paper time cards, and they're collecting that data and pulling it in. And it's the reason Busy Busy started with timekeeping, because if you look at um, what do you get from the field, you mainly get their time cards because that's how they get paid. So they're motivated to give you that information because they're like, hey, this is how much time I need to get paid for. That's what you can count on getting. And so traditionally, we've we've tagged into that time card a whole bunch of things. Like when you use paper, you say, okay, you know, Give me your time and then tell me what you worked on. Let me know if you got injured, you know, to sign off if you were had your safety meetings or if you didn't get hurt, you know, whatever the information is. We usually kind of compiled that all into the time card because that's the data we could count on getting from the field to the office. Um, you know, I, I did that, of course, back in the day. And the great challenge there is it's not very good way of collecting information for many reasons. You know, I had a secretary that three quarters of her time was just trying to gather and interpret that time from the office because everybody's probably experienced this. You know, she collects the time in and then she can't read it. She can't quite tell what job it's for or a lot of jobs are missing. So she's contacting the field and trying to find out, okay, what is it you did? What did you accomplish? And then if I wanted more data, like what work got accomplished is even harder. So that's pretty challenging and frustrating that that's that that takes that time, kind of time. And then the other problem is by the time you get it, then you're, you're almost too late to act upon it. You know, if you've got problems, it's not real time. It's not happening very well. Sometimes you'll end up fighting with people over their paycheck because maybe you didn't read it right or they didn't understand, you know, they didn't report it right. Just, there's just a plethora of, of problems. And then the biggest one, even if you were perfect at time, you know, at, at the information you collected from the field on paper, you still have no way to really measure it and and manage trending data. Unless you're taking that paper home and entered into some spreadsheet or something, it's really difficult to manage trending data. And so really, you know, I knew all these problems clear back, you know, decades ago before smartphones even came out. And my my opinion is that the construction industry should have celebrated all across the world when Steve Jobs first introduced the iPhone. Because it was like... <laughs> Finally, we've got a way to collect mobile data from the field. Like before the iPhone even came out, I was trying to get them to, 
you know, go into their trailer and fill out stuff on a computer so that I could get data. But now we can get it so easily. And, and then you can take that data. It's not only real time, but it's managed properly. It's, it's kind of like, um, you know, in your school, you have essay versus multiple choice. If someone says, hey, what's the answer to this question? And they just leave a box. You're like, well, I don't know, this, this, this. But if you have multiple choice, you know, you've got one right answer in there. Well, it's the same with time tracking. If, if you've, like, I'm busy, busy, you set up the project and, and you've got, let's say you've broken your job down and you've got your project and you've broken it down maybe into five different categories. When they click into the project, then they have those five categories to pick from. So it just makes it easier to get accurate data because you're giving them those easy choices. And then the app just kind of helps walk them through things. Uh, GPS stamps them. That's not just for managing the employees. Like a lot of people are afraid, like, hey, are you not trusting? Are you big brother in the employees? No, we actually don't think that people or employees are inherently bad. But what you're doing is you're getting better data. When the employees even start seeing what they're doing, they actually start changing behavior because they're seeing, the employees see all the data too. Like, like now they've got this digital time card. They can see what their paycheck's going to be. They can see all that stuff. <clears throat> the GPS stamping helps you like, you know, you're probably familiar with pre-leans when you're pre-leaning the project or you, if you go back and have to collect your money, one of the issues is, well, when were you on the job site last? Both busy, busy, you have photos, you have time punches, all these things that are all GPS verified. So you have all this verification that you can go back to. And so really it's all about data and analytics and you can save a crap ton of money using it. Yeah, and I know that you guys... When you started out, I mean, it was pretty much just like a time tracking software. And since then, you've added a ton of features to it. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. And, and it wasn't, they were added working with the market, but the original vision was even bigger than we are today. You know, my original vision was really just solving the problems of getting that, what I would call a job site P&L, like, you know, to where you, you know your costs and you know your income that's coming in. And we're trending towards that today. We started with timekeeping because I, I studied the industry and basically the data that comes out of the industry is 70% of contractors fail. They go bankrupt within seven years. That's just a reality that's existed for as far back as the U.S. Census data tracks, right? So I got into the why behind that. And the why behind it is basically they have insufficient information to make good and profitable decisions, Right. So we looked at that data and we said, okay, well, what's killing them the fastest? Well, all contractors can pretty much agree on this. The most difficult thing is your labor data. So if you look at an estimate, that's where you start. You estimate a project and you have your materials and you have your labor. And if you're, if you're in the equipment industry, you also have equipment, right? So you have the material cost <clears throat> and then the time it takes to get that done. And the cost of that time, whether it's manpower or whether it's man and tools or man and machines, whatever it is. And usually when you get done with the job, if you went back and tried to evaluate and said, okay, did this job go according to my estimate? What's the hardest thing to find? It's, it's the labor data. Usually materials are pretty easy to check and compare. And so we started with timekeeping because that was, in our, in our opinion, it was like the number one bleeding thing. Like if you looked at contractors as being in trouble and you think of yourself as triage, it's like someone's coming into the emergency room, what's bleeding the fastest? It was all about time. And so that's where we started. But, but as we do that, we're we're continuing to add to it other points of information. Like I mentioned photos. We had a customer in the Busy Busy app, you're clocked into a project and you're doing a task. If you take a photo of your work, it automatically tags it to that project and that task so that you've got that all sorted. We have a customer that simply because they were taking photos of the inspector on site, this was an earth moving contractor, 
showing that testing had been done, they were able to save themselves out of a $100,000 lawsuit just because they had documentation of photos. And so, you know, you just kind of combine all that information into that mobile application because your people out there doing the work, they've got the mobile phone in their hand. They can do so many things and you, you collect all that data and put it together. And then to make it not complicated, which is probably our number one reason people like busy, busy is we're so easy. And that's because we actually understand what it's like to be in the field and to be dirty, trying to get this stuff done, but to make it not complicated, we let you manage to the exception, not check everything. So for example, you can have all your guys sign off their safety. Like every day they can sign up and say, no, I wasn't injured today. Well, you don't really want to review, like, let's say you have 10 guys or hundred guys. You don't want to go and say, oh, I want to make sure everybody signed off. Right? So what we do is just show you the exception. If you've got a hundred guys, we say there's three guys that didn't sign off today. You know, then you can look at that. Or there's three guys that said they were injured. And, and that way, all the other data is just really collected in the background for if you ever need it. If you ever get into a lawsuit or if you ever get into a dispute, you've got all that, all those records and data behind you. Yeah, that's, uh, there's so many ways I can go with this. And I, I have questions prepared here, but just in that little yeah. bit of talking, I had like five pop-ups <laughs> of things. But, uh, you know, one is making it easy, right? So. And yep. your experience, which is what you talked about, like if anything gets complicated, if they have to spend a week or two trying to learn how to use new software, or if it takes 15 minutes every day to fill it out, like they're probably not going to do it or they're not going to do it very well. They're not going to do it accurately or consistently, right? So you guys have taken the the lowest common denominator of like you log in, push a couple buttons and you're done. And That's so, exactly right. And so that kind of ties into my question and you talked about it, you touched about it a little bit. What do you see contractors doing wrong in, re in regards to just basic time tracking? What do you see most contractors doing wrong? The, the biggest thing I see that they do wrong when they start with us is trying to be too complicated. You know, like to your point of making it simple, I'm, I'm an advocate of what I would call super codes. And I know that's not necessarily a well-known term in the industry, but you have uh, you have like cost codes, right? So if someone wants to sort a coin cost codes, like I looked at one company and they're showing me their cost codes and they got like 120 cost codes on this project. And I'm like, that is just way too complex. Like I, I get why you're doing it, but I think, I think you end up, you know, trying so hard to get down to the very finite details that you miss the bigger picture. And so what I try to do is get contractors to group tasks together that are done together. Like I'll, I'll use my background. You know, I'm, excavation is my background. If you're doing sewer line or water line, I would recommend grouping it to sewer line and water line, not breaking down to, you know, fire hydrants and valves and, you know, meter boxes and like all the different individual components, but just break it down to there. Because as an estimator, what you're looking at is you have the whole job. So that's your first question is, was my whole job profitable or not profitable, right? Did that come in the way I planned? If it didn't come in the way you planned, then now you're breaking it down to your major segments. So you might have like if you're a stucco contract, you might have like stucco and lath or whatever. If you're in my world, it might be, you know, mass earth moving sewer line, water line. But if you've achieved breaking, tracking your time and getting your cost benefit down to a project level, just the project, you're better than 50% of contractors out there. 50% of contractors out there only know how to manage whether they're profitable on a month to month basis. If you've gotten yourself to a by project basis, you're already winning, right? If you then break that project down to like, let's say four or five major segments, you're winning really well. 
I think it's a total mistake to try to break it clear down to the gnats, but because then you're, you end up frustrating your crew. They end up now starting to think that it doesn't matter and that they can't really, you know, wrap their head around it. And then I think you start getting false data. So that's my best. That's my opinion is keep it simple for your crew. I, I, uh, I, I've experienced this on both levels. So I, I like simple, especially when it comes to numbers. Like I, I always joke, I join construction because I'm not very good at math. <laughs> and so I don't like doing math, right? And so like when you start tracking data in regards to profitability and numbers, you can go so finite with, you know, how, how many hours were spent setting up equipment and how, how much time was spent, uh, you know, picking up materials and how much time was spent doing this and this and this and like you you can get so granular with it that it it becomes a, a full-time job just trying to and and the reality of it is, is as a con as the owner especially of smaller companies like you're probably never even going to process that data like you're, you're probably you're right. never going to spend the time to look at the data process it and make decisions based on it so i like what you're saying start at a larger scale and then if you want if you get that figured out and you're like okay well now I want to see how much time are we spend driving? You know, how much time are we spend going to get materials on each job? Okay, now I can see that, you know, we're spending 2% of our total time is going to get materials. What can we do to change that? And kind of add at start off big and then keep getting smaller and smaller if you want more data. I think that's a that's a very big, you know, uh insight because a lot of people that are very uh want to say maybe smarter in the in the realm of technology and you know like the all of the intricate details of every little thing numbers guys let's call them numbers guys yeah they're going to start off with every single thing wanting to track 50 different you know data right. points and we're like no you only need 3 you really only need 3 data points to 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 know if you're profitable or not so i like what you said about that as far as the you know, starting at, at a larger scale and then, you know, looking at the data. How does, this This is a really important topic that I want to bring up next because we've been talking about this a lot in, in my coaching program. A lot of guys, and, and most of my clients are, are smaller to, to, you know, they may have five employees. You know, they may have, they're not large corporations with a hundred employees. But when it comes to estimating jobs, a lot of times, guys will look at a job and they'll say, okay, I got 100 man hours on this job. This is what I think it's going to take, 100 man hours. That's, yep. that's production time. Yep. But a lot of times, guys don't take in consideration non-production time. And so they'll take a 100, 100 man hour project that they think maybe it's going to take you know, two weeks or whatever and base it on the hours of production time, but not the non-production time. So really, a, a, a Let's make it simpler. Let's say it's a one guy or two guys for 40 hours. So it's a one week project, 80 total man hours, eight hours a day, two guys, right? Five days. That's your production time, but they don't take into consideration non-productive time. So really it's not a, it's not a one week project. It's a week and a half project or a week and, you know, it's a seven day project, an eight day project, but they're trying to sell it and schedule it in one week. Can you talk about the difference between non-productive and productive times when it comes to that? Yes. In fact, um, you know, I apologize for not forewarning on this, but this might be one of my soapboxes. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. 
Um, so, so nationwide data, you have somewhere between 32 and 37% of labor, day, labor time is spent on non-revenue producing activities, things that don't produce activities. You probably, you're probably already aware of this, right? And in, in my opinion, it's one of the most important things business owners should focus on. You know, like you mentioned earlier how people can get so granular. They're so worried about this and this and this. Um, I think it's actually the most important thing. Like if a company wants to get more profitable, the most important thing you can do is start making sure that your people are focusing on revenue producing activities. And my soapbox is, you know, people often will blame the employees and say, man, they, they should be working more. The non-revenue producing activities, if you look into the data, it's actually all about management. It's not about labor. It's usually that people aren't lined up or scheduling is not worked out or, you know, other subcontractors or trades that are supposed to be there before them or after them is not worked out properly. So they end up with all this, this time that they're trying to work things out, or maybe they're not clear on what they're supposed to be doing. Non-revenue time is really primarily the the burden of management to fix, not labor. Because I, you know, I would argue that labor wants to work on revenue producing activities. Like they, like if you think of it, most guys, you know, they want to work. They, they don't really want to sit and figure everything out. And so um, my own personal experience back in back way before busy, busy, when I was running an excavation crew, um, I, I quickly became the most profitable um, crew in my company. And I was earning margins around 25%, which for the excavation industry is just almost unheard of. And, and the reason was simply this um, in our world, you know, you had, like, as I worked my way, I, you mentioned my bio, I, I did actually do that. Like I started in the trenches, my brothers, I worked with my brothers and just like all their brothers were, they immediately gave me the worst jobs. Right. So, so I started in the trenches. I, I laid pipe. I, I, I repaired live sewer lines and you know, I did dirty jobs that, you know, I don't even want to hardly fess up to like terrible, terrible things. <laughs> if you've never repaired a live sewer line, you have no idea how bad it is. Because <laughs> there's, there's one rule for sewer and that is it doesn't stop. It's a gravity flow. Like you have to deal with it while it's flowing. Okay. You can't shut it off. That's the reality of sewer. So anyway, as I worked through these different positions in, in the excavation world, the honor position was like, Hey, the main guy on the crew, you know, he kind of runs the nicest machine. Right. And, um, are you a sports fan? Uh, I'm not a huge sports fan, but I mean, I'm pretty, pretty into, I understand that. Some of the concepts, like I'll just use a basketball analogy. So, so the world I grew up in, it was like the, the best guy, you know, runs the best machine and you'd almost think of it like a basketball team. You know, that was the team captain, you know, or whatever they're, they're running the best machine. Um, when I discovered how many things were not lined out ahead of us, how much things were, how many, how much we were waiting, just waiting and waiting on things. Then what I did is I shifted myself out of the honor position. You might say of running the nicest machine. And I put myself in more like a coach. And so I made sure everything was lined up ahead of my crew. I also would track everything for them. I'd let them know how much they produced yesterday. I would establish their goals for today. And I would make sure that every part was lined out, every decision was lined out, that I was coordinating. And, and this is all, this is not new to anybody who's done construction. It's just that sometimes we get caught up in, oh, I've got to produce work. Like I'm such a good producer, I've got to produce work. And we and we don't realize the value of of keeping your crew producing work. And so when I shifted to that and I started making sure I lined out my crew, we started producing at levels that the company hadn't seen before, and we were producing the highest profit margins the company had ever seen. We were moving so fast that we would have surveys done, 
you know, where the engineer would come and stake our sewer system, I would call them for water, which has, which the sewer has to be done before the water. And they would say, we just staked your sewer two days ago. There's no way you're done. I'm like, we're done, you know, get out here and look at it. And they were surprised. And the main reason was I would just keep the crew lined out ahead of them. So non-revenue producing activity, I think is one of the most important things to focus on as a company. So sorry for the soapbox, but no, no, there's, that's, that's- yeah, no, that's, that's fine. I, uh, one of my, I, I don't know if you've ever done the, um, uh, I'm going to forget the name of it now. There's a, um, oh, strength finders. You ever taken the strength finders like 2.0? I haven't. Like a personality kind of thing. It tells you, you know, well, one of my strengths is logistics. So okay. all of the stuff that you're talking about, you know, making sure the subs are lined up and making sure the materials are on site and all that stuff. Like that's one of my biggest strengths. And so when I first started my business, I started out doing handyman work before I eventually went into remodeling. Well, when you're doing like 300 plus jobs a year, you know, with just you or a couple of guys, that's a lot of logistics that has to be figured that's out. A lot of logistics. And I wouldn't recommend it for anybody, just so you're, <laughs> in case you're listening, you're like, I want to start a handyman business. Now that I wouldn't recommend that. It's easier to do like maybe 20 jobs a year than to do 300. But I got really, really good at the logistics part of it. And I think that what you just said, like when you hire a foreman or a project manager or someone who's going to run, or if you're the one doing it yourself as the owner, it's, it is your job to make sure that your team has everything that they need to be at their maximum effort all yeah. the time. And so I see that like, for me, I, I was, I was that guy. I was like you, Isaac, where it was just like, make sure everything's lined up, lined up, lined up, be maximum efficiency. But I, I, I want to go back a little bit to the non-productive time because yeah. you're, you're going to have non-productive time. It's, it's That's unavoidable, right? right? You're, you're going to have it, but I don't think guys actually, factor enough unproductive or you know non-revenue generating time into their their bids and their estimates like what have you seen with that and how is your how has your software actually helped with some of that as well yeah thank you so yeah the software is you know of course you've heard the 80 20 rule you know like 20 percent of our customers use 80 percent of our benefit and 80 percent of our customers use 20 percent of our benefit the software will absolutely help you you know, track the time and find out whether you were right or wrong on the total amount of time that you're going to spend. And then you can analyze it and see whether that's from non-revenue producing time or not, depending on how you've set up the structure of the application. So it can absolutely, it can, it can do whatever you want. One of the keys is to get the buy-in from your team, because as they're using it, you don't want them to just put the time in the wrong bucket just because they've got a budget there, right? That's one of the big weaknesses people do is they establish like this much time, you know, here's your goal. You're supposed to spend this much time here, this much time, this much time here. And if you don't, you get penalized, right? One of the most important things I think a business can do is, is talk with their crews and let them know, like when you're using busy, busy, we're trying to collect this data so that we can be better at our jobs and better at the work. And it's, and the most important thing for us as management is that you give us the right data. We're not penalizing. We're not anything. We just need you to give us the right data. And if part of what the data you're trying to figure out is how much time are they spending on non-revenue producing activities, then you make that part of how the application works. So they can clock into the project they're working on, or they can clock into a standby. But the standby, to me, again, it points more at the foreman, like you're saying, you know, like, why are you standing by? You know, what's, what's the issue here? 
And I'm not trying to put any blame game. I'm just saying as management, that's what you want to know. Like, what can we do? Maybe, maybe we're stringing the foreman out so far that he can't line up everybody. You know, that's, and I, I'm giving you more of the side of tracking. Okay. Now, now I'll jump into optimization. I don't believe that you can optimize much better than 85% efficiency. You know, like the industry is, you know, 32 to 37% waste. And so that's like a six, you know, a 63 to 68% efficiency. I think full utilization is 85%. Like that's a target I would use. And so I don't, I don't think you eliminate non-revenue producing activity. I think you try to measure to it and manage it and try to, you know, get it into an acceptable range is my opinion. Well, and, and that, but that's the thing is you got to have data, right? That's so right. So if you're not, I, I remember one time I did a job, it was a bathroom remodel and it was, um, actually I'll take it back. It was a basement remodel and it was kind of out further away from where we normally work. So it was about 30 minutes one way. I live in a smaller town. So like you could get all the way across town in like 40 minutes, right? So this was, most of our jobs are like 10, 15 minutes from our base. Anyways, this job's like 30, 35 minutes out. And when the job was done, I was job costing it and there was, the profits were not there. And I'm like, what's going on? Like I bid this job accordingly, the way it should have been bid. And then I was going through, we, you know, we would take and keep physical receipts of everything. We would also put them into our database, but I was looking at the, the expenses were not over. We weren't over on expenses. Like we were, we were there on materials but I was looking and I noticed there was like 26 receipts from Lowe's because that was the mm-hmm. closest place. And I was thinking, that's 26 trips to the store, 30 minutes one way, an hour round trip plus the store. That's an hour and 20 minutes per trip. Yep. That's, I mean, that's over, like it's like 30 plus hours wasted on trips to the store. And it was just a huge light bulb moment for me of like, holy crap, that's where all my profits went was was in that time wasted like what are we doing wrong to that we need to make 26 trips to the store obviously something's not being done right and so having that data to be able and being able to track that and then you can make decisions and i think a lot of guys that i talk to like they want to they want you you spoke to like the was it uh would you say it was 32 percent non 32 to 37 32, 37% of like non-revenue generating time or, you know, uh, non-productive time. A lot of guys are like, I want to eliminate that from the start. But a lot of this stuff is lag metrics, right? Like you have to do one project. If it's your very first project you've ever done, you're not going to hit 100% efficiency, especially when 85 is the maximum you can get. But if you never measure that, in other words, if you never job cost, if you never look at the data, it's not going to help you. So how, right. how important is that and what, you know, with your, like even with your software, but not even with your software, just in general, like how important is that for contractors to make sure they're doing that part of, of the business? I mean, to me, it's the most important, like the job costing is one of the most important. I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump back to the sports analogy for a minute. So if you can imagine basketball, if you had various teams that were playing and you had some teams that were tracking data, like points scored, you know, percentage of free throws you know, all these different passes, steals, all that stuff. You have, you have teams that are tracking that data and then you have teams that are not. The problem is afterwards, like, how do you coach? You know, how, how do you say, here's what we need to do different? You know, how do you do that review? 
And the reason I like to bring up this analogy is sometimes employers or managers will use this data against their employees, and then everybody hates the data. It's like, I hate, I hate that I'm being tracked, when really I think you should use the data to become more of a team and say, like you said to Lowe's, like, okay, guys, look, this last job, we had 26 ships to Lowe's. What, what can we do different? You know, I'm not pissed off. I'm just working with you saying, what can we do different next time? Because I think this is making us to where we're not winning. And, and you want to surround yourself with people that want to win. You want to surround yourself, of course, with A players and B players, you know, people that want to win and, and use that data to coach. And so that's, to me, the biggest problem is how do you even know what to work on? You know, it's like the old adage of what, what, gets, what gets measured gets managed. When you don't measure it, you don't manage it. So you don't even know if you're not tracking data what the problems are. You're, you're really just going to Vegas and betting on black. You're like, well, you know, we, we've got money in our bank at the end of the month this month. So I guess we made money but you don't know how to react to the problems or the successes. Like even if you're doing well, if someone says, oh no, I'm making money, I don't need to worry about data. No, actually you need to know where you're making money because the biggest thing you've probably heard a million times and I have, someone will say, yeah, when I was smaller, I made more profit and then I grew my company and I make less profit. Well, there can be a lot of reasons for that, but maybe you grew in the wrong direction. If you were tracking your data, you'd say, okay, these jobs, these kind of jobs make me the most money. So that's what I'm going to grow into. And I mean, you know, again, it's really a coaching mentality, learning to take that data and use it to make decisions and, and use it to build a team, not to beat up a team, you know? I, I always tell my clients and stuff, like we're in the data collection business. Like when you're talking to a customer on the phone and you know, you're trying to sell them a project and maybe they hire you, maybe they don't hire you. We're trying to collect data during that phone call, that sales call. What's most important to them? You know, what 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 do they need to have? What's a like to have and a must have and all of these different, you know, what's the emotions that we're getting back on this? It's all data. So really if you think of it from a from a business perspective, we're just in the data collection business, right? Like Facebook, people don't realize Facebook is not a social media platform. Facebook is a data collecting business. They, they collect all of your data and sell it to advertisers like myself, probably like you guys. If you run ads on Facebook, they're collecting all of that data. And uh, when you're a contractor, you know, a lot of our skill sets are in swinging the hammer, right? Doing the, being the mechanic. And so we need to uh, kind of change that mindset and realize like we need the data in order to, to know where to make changes in our business. What you, you just hit on it perfectly. Like to me, like when people say, what can I do to be more profitable? You just nailed it. Like if, if I was going to go out and compete in any region, in any trade, I know I could win if I just focused on data first. You know, and because people t tell me like, well, this is a lot of work for us to collect data. We need to just be doing the work. If I was to go start any company in any trade in any region, I would hire guys and tell them your first job is to collect data. Your second job is to do your work to just eliminate all arguments, like collect the data. Because yeah. if you're not, how, how do you make improvements to your business? And, and people don't realize like, like, well, that's, that takes more time. Yes, it does take more time, but literally you could just collect data for maybe three months and you would have so much information and you, every time you collect that data, you make an improvement, you collect the data, make an improvement. And so within that three months of collecting data, you're six, nine months ahead of the company who hasn't even started collecting data yet. You're exactly right. It's, and, and, and in the end, 
you'll win. I mean, and I really think the competition's with yourself mainly, but yeah, you'll you'll win if you're focused on data. Just having that attitude of I'm I'm focused on data. What that you know the adage a lot of you've heard everybody's heard. You know, are you working in your business or on your business? The, the moment you start collecting data, you're working on your business. You're you're now fine tuning that thing and making it a fine tuned machine and finding out what's working, what's not working, and where to make your improvements. And tools like Busy Busy, you know, uh, you know, I'll just throw a, a plug in there. We're cheap. I mean, we're literally almost nothing. It, it's the the cost, in my opinion, is irrelevant. Like we're ten bucks a month per employee. That's basically what it is. Um, it scales up to fifteen if you get a premium package you know, $10 a month, $15 a month, to me, it doesn't matter. If if it was $75 a month, I'm looking to get the right data for my employees. I spend so much more than that on my employees. I still own part of the excavation company. We do $12 million a year and we spend like $4,800 a year on Busy Busy. It's literally nothing. And yeah. it's, it's just, you you need to have tools like that. Why can it be so cheap? The only reason Busy can be that cheap is because we sell across the United States, Canada, Australia. We have eighty thousand users. That's why we've we've spent you know well over thirty million dollars on this system. And individually, you can never do that. You know, it's just impossible. You have to kind of spread it out like that in order to make it work. Yeah, we're we're coming towards the end of time on this for uh for the show but i want to ask you another question is like what what is the most important thing that contractors need to understand about time tracking in general well the most important thing um i would i would say it like this it's measuring your estimate versus your actual to me that's the most important thing um it's not usually what people start with people start with just a better way to collect their time and and you'll make on busy busy your roi on what you spend on us you'll save like 10 times the amount of money that you spend on busy busy just by collecting your time because everybody's time will get more accurate. Everybody will start making sure that they're putting in the amount of hours they want to get paid for and they'll stop rounding and all those things, right? That'll save you 10 times what we spend. But we have companies that literally use us and they're spending, you know, five, 10, 20 grand a year and saving a million and a half dollars. That's because they're doing what I said about comparing estimates to actuals. When they start taking that data, it, it's how you use that data that really makes the biggest impact on your business. You can, you can take Busy Busy and you can make 10x on what you pay us. You can also take Busy Busy and make 1,000x on what you pay us just because you're using the data that's, that's coming from that system. Yeah, I definitely couldn't agree more with what you said. And I, and I noticed on your website, you guys have a lot of free tools on there, some calculators and different things to even help with some of that. But we didn't even dive into all of the features that busy, busy. I mean, you talk about equipment, like you have entire equipment tracking, you know, features in there, uh, GPS, you know, locations of where your equipment is and all that stuff. Give us a quick rundown of some of the main things that that busy, busy has that you think uh, most contractors take advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. So, so of course, time tracking and labor allocation. So, you know, not only how much time people work and what they're doing, a lot of compliance things like the safety sign-offs and the, you know, people verifying that that they did work the hours they're saying they work so that when you pay them, you never have Department of Labor disputes. So so it has all the compliance built into it for that and safety. But you also have things like daily reports, which include all the photos and notes for the day. The daily reports and Busy Busy can be automatically generated in 15 seconds. You know, when you're clocking in, you're collecting photos, you're doing that through the day. Busy will just assemble it all for you and automatically spit out a report. So if you can report with the general contractors, like if you're working for a contractor or an owner, you can just send them your daily reports that shows the time spent, what was accomplished, 
the photos, the notes, and the people on the job shows the weather, all that stuff, all auto-generated, um, easy, like it's super easy. You have scheduling. You can literally schedule out your crews and they can clock into their schedule. So it's super simple for them. You can schedule your crew and say, this is what you're scheduled to do and what you're scheduled to work on. And, and they can show up and say, oh, that is what I'm working on. And they can just say start, right? So we make it super easy. We have three ways to collect time. You can have them individually do it themselves. You can have the supervisors do the time tracking for them, or you can do a kiosk mode where they all show up to the job site and punch into a, a common screen. We have um, um, the, like I say, the, the daily reports, but we also have daily progress. So they can also, you can, you can set a budget on your project. Here's how much time is supposed to be in this project. People are tracking against that budget. You can also set, here's how much units of measurement are supposed to be done. Like, you know, and they can also enter progress against that so that you're seeing the hours spent and the progress getting done on a daily and weekly and, you know, project by project basis. So, and, and that's, that's even just the, the main features. There's more and more and more as you get into it. It's, it's actually a pretty amazing system. You know, of course, of course I think that cause I was working on it, but even, I even think that in relation to man, if I had this, you know, back when I was doing this business, you know, 10 years ago, it would just, it just makes you so much money if you will utilize it for that purpose. Yeah, that's awesome. And we're going to have uh, links in the show notes, guys, for how you can get a hold of Busy Busy and find out more information. But more importantly, there will be a link in there if you want to sign up. And there's actually a, a discount, I believe, and don't hold me to this. I think it was uh, three months free with with the discount. And then you can um, uh, sign up after that. Could I, I don't know if you know what that is, Isaac, or not. We were talking earlier. And you're like, I'm not sure <laughs> what all we're doing. <laughs> I, I know we've offered that before, so I'm I'm guessing you're right on it. But yeah, Bracken, you know, our our partnership person has probably, you know, worked that out. Yeah, she but told me. I just don't remember. I, I didn't do my due diligence and and actually remember that. I just got back from Cancun yesterday, Isaac. So I'm still on I'm still on beach time right now and uh not not back into it. But <laughs> no, there is a discount. Yeah. Bracken is awesome. She lines me out. She's just like, hey, I've got everything worked out. Just show up at this time and talk. You know, <laughs> We all need a Bracken in our lives if you don't have one. So definitely, uh, but we'll have a link so you guys can check it out. One last question I like to ask uh, all my guests, Isaac, and that is what's a, what's a book you're reading currently or one that you recommend? Um, great question. Great question. And I'm, I'm going to give you two answers sure. and I apologize for that, but it's just based on two different things. If you're if you're looking for managing your company with efficient systems, okay, I would highly recommend E-Myth for Contractors. Oh, yeah. The E-Myth Revisited is a wonderful book. I would I would recommend that, of course, all day long, but also there's one specialized on contractors. E-Myth Revisited is on Audible. I don't think E-Myth for Contractors is, so I would read both. That's if you're looking to optimize your management skills. If you're looking to optimize your leadership skills, which I think a lot of people you know, should be focused on, you know, how are they improving themselves as a business owner and as a leader, I would recommend 21 Laws of Irrefutable Leadership by John C. Maxwell. Yep. And both. it just helps. Yeah, both yeah. great books. Yeah. The E-Myth's my number one go-to whenever I talk yeah. to new new contractors. Yeah. Fantastic book. And and it it really gets, it gets contractors thinking in the right way. Like your business should be a machine and you should be optimizing it. Absolutely. I'm just taking some notes here. Yeah. Anything John C. Maxwell writes is pretty much gold. 
But that book yeah. there, 21 Laws, Irrefutable Leadership, is a great book. Yeah, I love it. It, it gets you focusing on yourself. <laughs> and, and and that's what really, as a business owner, that's what you should be focusing on, right? Self-improvement. That's, we, you know, when I talk about uh, mastery, uh, you know, mastery of self, trying to get to that, basically your best version of yourself. I, you know, I don't think we'll ever achieve that because there's so much information and so much work that we needed to do, but that constant and never ending improvement uh, is what's so important. So with that being right. said, Isaac, I thank you so much for being on the show and sharing with us. Like I said, we'll have links in the show notes for you guys to check out busy, busy, highly recommend checking out their software we didn't even touch like maybe 10% of what all they do. Yeah. Uh, tons of great things to help you in your business. And remember to collect data because that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to collect data so we can make the right decisions. Uh, Isaac, thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Brad. My pleasure. Awesome. Guys, well, you know how to find me. You can go to the Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, search for the Hammer and Grind podcast and uh, look us up there. And remember, till next time, guys, profit is not a dirty word.